With things being the way they are, I think we could all do with a bit of encouragement. Don't you? Fortunately, encouragement is one of the things in which we Christians are supposed to excel. So we're going to spend a few weeks focusing on encouragement, first on encouragement itself as it's found in the New Testament, just encouragement as a concept. And then we're going to look at a few instances in the Bible of some great encouragers, people to which attention is drawn in Scripture simply because of their noted ability to encourage others. Now, when I say that we Christians are supposed to excel in encouragement, here's what I mean. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, which, by the way, is pretty difficult to do. But then Paul says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, even though I have to confess that I don't live this out as well as I would like to, this is one of my favorite biblical instructions about how we're supposed to live. This comes, by the way, in a lengthy section in Ephesians in which Paul is describing the kind of character that one would have who is actually living well, and watch this, in response to the grace that she or he has received in Christ. Paul specifically says that the truth that is Jesus and the gospel will cause us to live in encouraging ways, leading me to think that if encouraging words and building one another up are not your thing, something of the truth that is Jesus and the gospel is actually missing from the Christian life to which Paul calls all of us. Now, let me say that again. I think it's warranted for us to think about this. If encouraging words and building one another up are not your thing, something of the truth that is Jesus and the gospel is missing from the Christian life to which Paul calls us all. You know, the reason I emphasize this is because there are a lot of us, myself included, as I just said, that could be much better encouragers than we are. And that's not to say that some are not better at this than, than others. In fact, the gift of encouragement, the gift of encouragement, is actually mentioned in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, as something in which some Christians are gifted by the Holy Spirit, leading me to think that there are some that excel in this area. But I would still say that the gift of encouragement is kind of like the gift of evangelism. Some may be specifically gifted in this area, but that doesn't mean that we don't all bear some responsibility for it. You know, some hockey players are gifted for scoring, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that all shouldn't try and score. Some are gifted for defense, but that doesn't mean that Johnny Gaudreau shouldn't hustle back and try and help Mark Giordano when it's needed. We are all instructed by Paul to use our speech for building up rather than tearing down. So in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, in the context of one of the key unity sections in the whole New Testament, Paul says this, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You know, the words make every effort in this passage are an admonition about mutual edification being present in all of our lives. And it's pretty clear teaching. Paul is expecting us, every one of us, to intentionally, thoughtfully, with effort, be better encouragers than we are. 
Let me say, in contrast to Paul's words about encouraging one another and even the Holy Spirit's gifting in this area of encouragement, you know, there is no gift mentioned for being a discourager. Although I have to say, I've met some Christians who seem to have special talent in this area. There are people who can pick apart just about everything you do and everything you say. They seem to excel at it. They're like icebergs in the North Atlantic, just waiting to poke a hole in every idea that someone tries to float by for consideration. I mean, it's great to be analytical and to assess, but Paul never says that discouragement should be someone's forte. There is no gift of discouragement offered to us by the Holy Spirit and listed in 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12. Well, two things I've actually thought about people who insist on being discouragers. One is that I wonder if they don't do this out of low self-esteem. Having a felt need to look like they know more than those around them, and they try to fulfill this by being critical. The second thing is, it's just easier to be critical and discouraging than it is to be an encourager. Being an encourager is harder. Being a discourager is for the lazy and the shallow and the uncreative. You know, everybody in the building trade knows that demolition can happen very quickly with little skill or training or smarts, at least in comparison to construction and building. It doesn't take any training to tear something down. All you need for demolition and tearing down is a big bulldozer or an explosion. But building takes time. It takes skill. It takes experience and knowledge. A bomb blast could, in a few seconds, topple one of the great cathedrals of Europe, which in some cases took hundreds of years to build by really good craftsmen. You know, it only takes a few seconds and very few words to destroy someone's ambition or their vision or their idea or their hopes. It takes only a moment to put them in their place. It may have taken them years to get to the point of being willing to offer an idea. And it may take them several years to recover completely from some thoughtless remark we insist on making out of a need to draw attention to ourselves. You know, I'm sure that's part of the reason that Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's what Paul has in mind. Now, it's not just what we do, but so much of what we say that has to be considered. How should our interest in building others up through our speech impact virtually everything we say? And how little should our selfish ambition and need to be somebody in the eyes of others cause us to be sources of discouraging words to those around us? Again, there's very little said in the scriptures about Christian character that encourages us to be critical. Nothing about us being discouragers. But there's lots about being encouragers of one another. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. And he's talking there about relationships. And then he says, encourage one another 
be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Paul actually makes it sound as though your encouragement of others is directly related to your own well-being and satisfaction. God's love and peace fill the encourager. You have to wonder what fills the discourager. Certainly not God's love and peace. In the two letters to the Thessalonians, Paul says things like this, Therefore encourage one another with these words. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Did you hear that last one? The very character of God and the Trinity's relationship with us is one characterized by encouragement. Being an encourager, then, is to take on the very nature and personality of God. His interaction with us is such that God plays this kind of encouraging role. God is an encourager. Jesus Christ is an encourager. The Holy Spirit gifts us with his gift of encouragement. There aren't many Christians that if I said to them, here's one of the sure ways of having the character of God, of sharing in God's personality, who would then just ignore what I had to say. Paul says that being an encourager is to be like Christ. I've always found it interesting as a preacher that when Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, that he says, do this with great patience and careful instruction. Doesn't that mean that even correction and rebuke, which at times must be offered to those who need to hear it, are to be done with great patience and carefulness? Again, anyone can explode on someone else. It takes wisdom, though, to correct in such a way that those being corrected are actually built up in the process and not just discouraged where the relationship is then maintained and respect is gained rather than lost. When Paul gives instruction about the character of an elder in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, he says, An elder must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. Do you get that? We are to teach sound doctrine for the sake of encouraging others. It doesn't say that we teach sound doctrine and hold to it holding firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that we can lambast others with sound doctrine. It doesn't say that we'll do this so that we can beat others over the head with sound doctrine. You know, we have some younger guys currently mentoring with us who are older uh, that perhaps one day they're going to be elders in the church. James Mooney is one of these. And he has specifically mentioned to me about how inadequate he feels when he thinks about this particular responsibility of holding on to sound doctrine. But what I want to say to you, James, is that what you do with sound doctrine, the way you promote it, the way you teach it, the way you encourage others with it, is perhaps even more important than what you know about it. I pray that those of us who lead can demonstrate for those coming after us the powerful encouragement 
that holding on to sound doctrine can be, rather than the force it can be to tear others down. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It sounds to me like sin lives, sin actually thrives in a context where there is little encouragement. And I'm not sure whether it's the person who fails to offer encouragement or the one who hears discouraging talk who's actually hardened by sin's deceitfulness. But it's so clear that sin hardens the hearts of those who live in a, a context of discouragement. In fact, it sounds to me like, and this is for you parents out there, if you don't want to harden the hearts of your children in the direction of sinfulness, you need to encourage them and not tear them down. I can remember as a parent saying things to my children that I wish I could now take back, and I can't. The damage was done the moment I uttered those words. What was going on inside me that caused me to speak that way to them? Or to Robin in moments when I've been harsh and discouraging? Cannot I see that those moments uh, are, are moments where I'm the one who has the problem? That I'm the one needing rebuke? Part of the cathedral of my children's lives was torn down by my harsh words. And when this happens, when discouraging talk comes out, all of us need to be master builders who can turn that around. I often think of the stupid, stupid things that I've said to others that were calculated, calculated to tear them down. I've done that. And the fact is, you've done that. Oh, my stupidity. And fortunately, most of us are like this. Unfortunately, most of us are like this. Very few of us have risen to the point in our lives where encouraging speech is easier for us than discouraging speech. Do you remember the story of Black Beauty? Kids, if if you haven't read Black Beauty, you should. Anna Sewell, the author of Black Beauty, was herself an invalid, who in 1877 published the story of a horse who tells his own story about he was how he was initially raised in a loving relational context, but who through unfortunate circumstances goes through a series of owners who are, to say the least, not encouragers. And a transformation takes place within the horse, so that after such treatment, the beautiful stallion is ultimately barely recognizable. Even his physical features are altered by the way in which he's treated. Only love and encouragement could turn this around and restore him to, him to some semblance of what he formerly was. Well, the good thing is, it isn't too late for us. We don't have to live the life of being a discourager. Sometimes I'm just so grateful for the word repentance. God wants to fix us. He wants to fix our words. He wants to fix our behavior towards others. He wants to fix our personalities. People use their personality types for all manners of excuses for why they're the way they are. But from what I can tell, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is transform our minds so that we can become different than we currently are. So let me offer some encouragement. You aren't stuck. 
being a discourager is not inevitably terminal for you. You can be healed, and God wants to heal you of discouragement. It does come about through repentance, though. It does mean allowing the Holy Spirit to live within you. It does require Christ's attitude and mind becoming your own. But all this is is nothing more than being Christian. And that's why Christ died, so that you can be Christian. Do you remember how we started? We started by saying that when Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That he said this as an instruction to Christians who needed to let the grace that they had received from Christ activate this kind of behavior in them. In other words, they needed to let all that Christ has done in saving them become become active in changing them, specifically making them go from being discouragers to encouragers. You know, we hear now all the time, be the change. So I would say, be the encouraging one, changed by Christ into having his mind, which is a mind of encouragement. God bless you.